Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I was so excited earlier. We really did turn this place into a house of prayer, didn't we? And I say we did that because the Lord's asking us to do that. He's waiting for us to do that, to take Him at His word and, and to trust Him. And the praise and worship in cities on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, something amazing took place in Decapolis. It's only mentioned three times in the Bible. But there was a strange and wonderful turn of events that took place in this region called Decapolis. We would simply call it revival. Uh, The first time Jesus went to Decapolis... They got together, a large group of people, they came out of the cities, and together, unanimously, they asked Jesus to leave. They told him, we do not want you here. You are not welcome in this region. And we want you to leave us alone. And guess what Jesus did? He left them alone. That's what he did. But then not long after that, Jesus goes back to the same place, Decapolis. And this time, rather than asking him to leave, they did something else. They started bringing sick people to him. And they started asking him if he would heal the sick. They asked him to leave and he left. This time they asked him to heal, and he did. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And they started bringing these people, and and Jesus started healing them. And the Bible uses this terminology. It says they were astonished beyond measure. They were amazed. They said he does all things well. He makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. You see, they went from, you're not welcome here, to you are amazing. But then the next time Jesus passes through Decapolis, the Bible simply tells us that a multitude of people followed him from Decapolis. You're not welcome here. We don't want you here. You are amazing. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Many of us have been on that journey, haven't we? Some of us here today, there was a time when we didn't want anything to do with Jesus. We didn't want anything to do with the church. We didn't want any of this religious stuff. To that day, He got our attention and He became amazing in our eyes. And now we want to follow Him for the rest of our lives. Well, I tell you, that's, that's quite a journey. Now, obviously, something significant and life changing took place in Decapolis. And that's the story I want to tell you this morning. 
Jesus and his disciples traveled to the southeast shore of the Sea of Galilee uh, by boat. And when they got off the boat, the Bible tells us that a man came running straight toward them. And the description the Bible gives of this man is, is pretty incredible. The Bible tells us he was a wild man. The Bible tells us he was demon-possessed. The Bible tells us that he was naked. The Bible tells us he was out of control. He was dangerously strong. He was unfit to be around other human beings. He was beyond help. That he was always crying out and screaming out and cutting himself. That he lived in a graveyard among the tombs. And basically, the Bible lets us know that he was beyond help. There was no hope for him, no way of escape, no way of deliverance, until that day when he saw Jesus. That changed everything. And the Bible says something that's pretty strange for a demon-possessed man. The Bible says he ran straight toward Jesus, he fell at the feet of Jesus, and he started worshiping Jesus. Now, the theologians tell us this was not real worship. That the fact that these demons had full control of all of his faculties, and they were in control of what he did, it was the demons who drove him to Jesus, it was the demons who put him on his face at the feet of Jesus in this worshipful submission, because they knew that they were subject to the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. I can accept that. But there's something within me. I can't help but believe that there was something in this man that he knew this was his last hope. He knew this was the only chance he'd ever have. Those demons may have been driving him, but I don't think he was resisting. He got to the feet of Jesus and he bowed down this this manic, madman, bowing at the feet of Jesus because he knew there he could find help. Now, Jesus simply says to him, what's your name? Now, the demons, again, are in full control of all of his faculties, so the demons answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. And you you have to go back and read it for yourself. It's almost uh, hilarious. And basically, Jesus says, well, you got to go. You just got to. You got to go. I don't care what your name is. I don't care how many of you are in this man. You have got to go. Guess what? The demons don't even argue with him. They, They know they don't have a choice. They've got to go. And so they said to Jesus, they said, Can we go into the swine? Uh, There was a herd of swine of about 2,000 near. And they said, can we go in the swine? Jesus said, okay. Take off. They come out of the man. They go in the swine. You know the story. They run down the bank of the Sea of Galilee and they drown themselves in the Sea of Galilee. Now, this was not done in secret because the, the men who were taking care of the swine and feeding them, 
and controlling them, they saw it all. They were frightened. They ran back into the city and they told everybody in the city what had happened and the whole city uh, comes out to see what was going on. They saw that the herd of swine were gone and this demon-possessed man, the Bible says, was clothed. He was seated, obviously, with Jesus and the disciples. He was in his right mind talking with Jesus. Now, I don't know how you would respond to that, but there's a part of me that feels like that's a time to do a double backflip. <laughs> this is fruit basket turnover. This is high praises and glory to God. Yes? Amen. That's not how they responded. The Bible says they were afraid. The Bible says they were terrified. The Bible tells us they were upset. They were angry, depending on the translation you read. They were very, very upset. Listen now, because I'm hoping this will stick with you. They cared more about pigs than they did people. It didn't mean anything to them that this man had been redeemed, that this man had been restored, that this man had been given life. All they cared about was the pigs. Now before we get too critical of that, I believe the church in America today is filled with people who care more about pigs than people. Now hold on, you have to understand. You see, it wasn't just pigs. This was a Gentile community. This is what they did. It was their livelihood. It's how they made their money. It was their economy. And Jesus had just wiped out a large part of their economy. If this guy stays here, we're all going to be broke. We need to be careful that finances and business is not more important than souls. Well, anyway, so, you know, I've already told you, they told Jesus, we don't want you here, we're scared of you, we want you to leave. And so Jesus gets right back in the boat. He gets out of the boat, has this interaction with the man, the demon-possessed man sets him free. They come out, they said, we don't want you here. Jesus gets back in the boat. This is the part I'll read to you, if I can find it. All right, uh, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in... Say it with me. Decapolis, that was pitiful, but anyway, thanks for the effort. <laughs> to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marvel. The manic, wild man became a missionary. He went into the ten cities of Decapolis, and he started telling them what God had done for him, and how he had had compassion on him. 
Not long after that, Jesus comes back to the region. So he has so spread the word that people are now, rather than rejecting, they're receptive. And they start bringing people to Jesus. He heals. And then, not long after that, the Bible tells us that multitudes from Decapolis followed Jesus. The manic became a missionary. It's exactly what the Bible tells us that all of us are to do regardless. Now for us, hopefully and prayerfully, it's not manic to missionary, but it may be from plumber to missionary. It may be from electrician to missionary. It may be from school teacher to missionary, from doctor to missionary, from lawyer to missionary. But wherever you are, whatever your state in life is, I can tell you that God wants you to be a missionary. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. Say so. We're to tell people. Who He is, what He's done for us, and how He has had compassion upon us. Years ago, I heard Dr. Jerry Vines, one of the co-pastors at the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville. And he was sharing about a very simple outreach campaign that they did in their church that year. And the campaign consisted of getting every member of the church every member of the church involved, total church involvement in doing three things. That is, you go out and when you run into somebody, you ask them, I want you to remember this now. You ask them, where do you go to church? And then, regardless of what they say, you share a personal testimony of two or three lines. It has to be done very quickly. And then the third thing you do is you invite them to come to church with you. So, the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, they sent people out. They did this all year long. Uh, Where do you go to church? Boy, God has done something special in my life. I want to share it with you. Do it in about two minutes, and then I'd like for you to join me at the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Well, Dr. Jerry Vine said he pulled up at the cleaners one day, and he said there was a new girl behind the counter. He said he looked at her, and he said, Honey, where do you go to church? She said, I don't go to church anywhere, but I know where you go to church, and I know you're about to give me your personal testimony, and I know you're going to invite me to the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. He said, well, honey, that is amazing. How do you know all of that? She said, because you're the seventh person today who's asked me where I go to church. No doubt, thousands maybe even tens of thousands rejected that message. But that year, the First Baptist Church in Jacksonville baptized over a thousand people. Why? Why did they do that? Because membership, not the pastors, even though we have an equal responsibility to do it, but because membership started going out and talking to people In a very nice, benign way, where do you go to church? Man, God's done some wonderful things in my life. Would you please come to church with me? People started responding. I want to tell you, it's not that hard. Just tell people what He's done for you. Tell people that He's had mercy and He's had compassion on you. I'm telling you, great things begin to happen in our individual lives and in the collective body of Christ when we simply go out and tell people what He's done for us and how He's had compassion on us. Uh, This this manic become missionary 
went into ten cities and stirred them up for the glory of God. And man, that whole place got excited. And, and, when, and they were waiting for Jesus to come back. And they opened their arms the next time Jesus came into the area. Have you ever thought about the people in the Bible that Jesus called into his service? I mean, he called some pretty questionable people. I I mean, really. This is no exaggeration. Here's a manic, naked, out-of-control, wild man, saved and commissioned, boom, and a revival breaks out in ten cities. It's not the only place in Scripture. One day Jesus was at the well. You remember the well of Sychar? The woman at the well? Here's, here's what we know about this woman from the conversation, John the fourth chapter. We know that she had been married five times. We know that the man she was now living with was not her husband. And by the way, I need to tell you this. That's proof positive right out of the Scriptures that living with somebody is not the same as being married to somebody. There, there's a big difference. She had completely failed at marriage. I think she had just given up on marriage. No need, and it's happening in our society today. They were living together. I heard a testimony about a month ago. This lady was sharing her testimony. And she said, 12 years ago I was living with a man who was not my husband. And she said, one morning we got up and for some strange reason we decided to go to church. She said, we got up and went to church. Hadn't been to church before. We, this is something we've never done together. Let's go to church. So they go to church, and they said, it just happened to be on that Sunday morning, guess what the preacher was talking about? <laughs> have you ever noticed that the preacher just happens to have a way of talking about what you need right at that moment? Now, it, the preacher, trust me, the preacher's not smart enough, and I know this one's not smart enough, but God knows, and God can speak through a donkey, so He can speak through, He can speak through a preacher, and He does that. I literally heard the story in Sup Chuppy. It was Brother Claxton who told this. He invited somebody to church to come to Sup Chuppy one time, and they got mad because they felt like He had told the preacher all about them, and He exposed their sins before the whole congregation. And then later they said they went down to a church in Carabelle and they said, we don't know how word got out, but all these preachers know about us and what's going on in our lives. She said the preacher started talking about living together. And they're sitting there kind of uncomfortable. And said, And then the preacher said something. He said, if she's good enough to live with, she's good enough to marry. She said she looked over at him. (laughs) He looked over at her. He said, it looks like we're going to get married, doesn't it? (laughs) She said, I guess so. She she said he proposed to her right in the middle of a sermon. (laughs) Now listen to this. They did get married. That was 12 years ago. She testified that in that very church, she and her husband now teach a marriage class explaining to people how wonderful it is to do it God's way. How amazing it is when your life 
lines up with what the Bible teaches. Well, Jesus was talking to this woman, and then she leaves him. She's a social outcast now. Nobody's with her. Um, A failure in every sense of the word. She goes back into town, gathers the whole city, and brings them out to meet Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when they came out to the well, they begged Jesus... Not like they did the first time in Decapolis. They begged Jesus to stay with them and he stayed there for two days. And there was a great revival at the well of Sychar. I don't know why we always talk about the woman at the well. We should be talking about the revival at the well. But this woman was the one God used and brought the people out. Really some of these people? A, a, A manic madman? A social outcast? Well, what's, what's going on here? These are not the only cases. Uh, one of the most hated men in the nation of Israel, listen to this now, Jesus called him to be a disciple. His name was Matthew, Levi. They hated tax collectors. They, were, uh, they had sold out to the Roman government. They were despised. They were hated. The Pharisees called them sinners. When they found out Jesus was with him, they said, he's eating with sinners. What's this all about? Did you know that the Bible tells us that on the very day that Jesus called Matthew to follow him, that Matthew threw a great celebration feast. A a, a feast to recognize the fact. He he threw himself a going away feast. I'm leaving this. I'm going with Jesus. And then he invited all of his friends into the feast to meet Jesus. All of his tax collector friends. And they came in and Jesus ministered to him. And we have it recorded in the Word of God. I was reading an article the other day. And there's a church. Think about this. There's a church. And they encourage every person who gets saved in their church to have a Matthew party. They don't, they don't wait to take them through all of the discipleship program. They, now, they do do that, but what they do is the first thing you do, you get saved, throw a Matthew party at your house. Amen. Invite all your friends. Yes. Tell them what great things God's done for you. Tell them how He has had compassion on you. Do, these people that Jesus called, I mean, th- this is amazing. Matthew quit collecting taxes and started collecting souls. That's a good profession change, isn't it? So you've got a madman living in the tombs. You've got a, a, a social outcast at the well. You've, you've got uh, a hated tax collector. Let me give you just one more. There's a woman who was memorialized in the Gospels. She's in all four Gospels. She's mentioned 12 times. And I suppose next to the mother of Jesus, she's probably the most prominent and significant woman in all the New Testament. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that she had seven demons, seven devils that were cast out of her. Uh, The early theologians believed confidently that she was a prostitute. Nowadays, there's a lot of arguments that she was not a prostitute. I I don't know. The Bible doesn't say specifically. But I can't imagine what you do with seven demons. It can't be something good. It's got to be bad, right? So, here she is. She's 
at the crucifixion of Jesus. She helped support the disciples. She's at the crucifixion of Jesus. She's at the empty tomb on the first Easter morning. And she's the first person to see the resurrected Lord and Savior. Can you imagine a greater honor? By the way, what's your name? Mary Magdalene. That's who it is. And and God used her mightily. She she was amazing. Did you know that the early church fathers, uh, along with Pope John Paul II, all call her, listen, this is neat, she was an apostle to the apostles. Now hold on, you have to understand what the word apostle means. The word apostle means sent, right? So, So the... First disciples, all of these men, they became apostles and they were sent out into the world to tell people that Jesus is alive, right? But Jesus sent Mary Magdalene to tell them the news before they could tell anybody else. And so they call her the apostle to the apostles. I don't know, there's just something about that I like. I hope you do too. But can't, are you with me here? Do you understand what I'm saying? I I, I mean, look at these people. A madman, a social reject, a man hated and despised by the nation, a, a woman who was probably a woman of ill repute, and yet Jesus calls them and uses them as great heroes in the faith. They were all testimonies of what God can do. They were all testimonies of what God can do in a life after that life has been messed up. They were living, breathing, walking, talking sermons. That's what they were. Edgar Guest is one of my favorite poets, and I love this poem. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than merely point the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsels confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all Christians are those who live their creed, for to see the good in actions what everybody needs. I can soon learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. You see, friends, what the world needs, the world needs to see it in action. Jesus chose these people because they needed a Savior. And they lived it. And they went out. And they demonstrated it. You you see, they were sermons you can see. (laughs) They gave hope to a needy and broken world. They were testimonies to everybody, everywhere, that God can fix you. That God can help you. That God can change you. They were examples of the power of God and what He can do in a person's life. I don't know, maybe there's somebody here today and you needed some hope or help. I can tell you, friends, the people I've shared with you today from the Scriptures, God can do it with them. He can do it with you. 
They, they, these people were demonstrations of the power of God. And I'm saying to you that if God, if God can use a manic madman to start a revival, if he can use a socially rejected woman living with a man who's not her husband to start a revival, if he can use a hated tax collector to call all of his friends in and say, I've met somebody that's changed my life. I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. If he can use a woman of ill repute, then would you please tell me what your excuse is? You see, God wanted to use them and He wants to use us. I'm praying. The staff's been talking about this. We're excited about this year. Friends, it's time for this sleeping giant of a church to wake up and to start going out in the community and telling people what great things He has done for us and how He has had compassion on us. How do we do it? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. This real simple. It's an easy campaign. Did you remember? What's the first thing? Where do you go to church? What's the second thing? A quick testimony. What's the third thing? Invite them to River of Life. Don't you invite them to Jacksonville First Baptist Church. (laughs) One more time. What's the first thing? Where do you go to church? By the way, if they say, man, I go down to such and such a church, I'm on the praise team, and they, you just, and what you do is you just say, praise God. I was looking forward to meeting another brother or sister in Christ today. This is what God's doing in my life. I'm glad to hear what He's doing in your life. Be blessed. We don't want to pull somebody out of another church. Let's, let's canvas this county. Let's ask people everywhere, where do you go to church? Let's take a few moments to tell them what God's doing with us. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with just being real humble at that moment. I was a wretch. I was lost. I had lost all my victory, all my hope, my met Jesus. I go down to that crazy church called River of Life. Would you like to join me? Would you come to church with me? Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.